Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. So Anita, what do you think about the in-law topic? That's what I think. That was perfect. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad that, that was on. on. Um, it's a minefield, to yeah. be quite honest. And it varies. I will say that. But and I can, from my own experience, I have one experience, but then just through the people we've talked to and are a part of our group, I know that some of the other experiences are pretty, pretty hairy. They can. Yeah. It's like, we have heard so many horror stories on one end of the spectrum, like basically mentally ill in-laws. Yeah. Very abusive to the best in-laws in the world and everything in between. Yeah. So it's a very sticky subject and everybody has their own experience with it. Yeah. Is what we've noticed. But it's for sure something that causes a lot of stress to a lot of widows. I will say that. I think that's a pretty fair and easy summation. Don't you think? Yes. And one thing that's common from non-widows that we hear is 
well, don't forget that they are grieving their child, their adult child as well, yeah. which is true. It's just a completely different set of grieving. Yeah. Yes. How would you describe it? It's true. It's it's really hard because there starts to be uh, maybe grief competitions on whose grief is worse and whose grief is more valid. And that can be really hard for for people who are grieving. Yeah. So. And, and widows have it hard because the person in their bed, in their life, Mm -hmm. everything day to day, is everything. gone and so i mean last i checked in-laws don't have that situation hopefully Ooh. i don't know about you my in-laws sleep in my bed with me they always have wow anita mm -hmm. thank you for being You're a very progressive family yes or archaic Pick oh yeah one. it depends With yeah straw so, mattress. yeah it's like it's like an apple and an orange right Mm -hmm. I, for me personally, my bed partner was gone. Mm -hmm. My person was gone. I had to move out of my house. Mm -hmm. I was looking forward to the future and every single thing was going to be affected. Everything. Yeah. So yeah. those are some of the things that widows are dealing with. Now we're not saying that negates in-law grief at all. Right. It's just different. It's different and for sure. But yeah. yeah, like Anita said, the grief competition is real. The grief competition is real with every griever with between true. widows. And and that's something that we're also learning too. It's like, okay, everyone has a different set of circumstances. So it's hard hard to compare. But I'm recording something right now. It's okay. But we feel like we have to compare. So yeah. What else do you think, Anita? Um, just like you were saying before. So the losses that we're experiencing, even though we've lost the same person, the losses that we are grieving are different losses. You said your bed partner, all of your hopes and your dreams, you know, your, your future, those things are gone. For me, I lost the parent of my children. I lost my co-parent. I lost my future hopes and dreams. I lost my day-to-day -day everything. I lost my support from him. You know, it's just a different, it's just a different grief that we're grieving. And sometimes there's this feeling that because our spouse was known by their family for longer, that their grief is bigger. And we've talked about this a lot, Mel, but um, it doesn't matter how long you've been married for, your grief is different at different stages because if you've been married for a long time, then you're grieving the loss of your whole experience and your patterns and how you've come to know life. And if you've only been married for a short time, then you've lost all of the hopes and the expectations that you had about learning about that person and growing old with that person. And so either way, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard loss, no matter how far you are into your marriage. So it's not a time it's not time dependent, I would say. Yeah. And one thing that I know that you've said in the past, Anita, that was really striking to me was that you lose your buffer between your in-laws and you. Right. The go-between. Right. And so some people, man, you don't even have to have like a dead spouse or a dead partner to have issues with the, the in-laws. For sure. In yeah. You know? And I mean, it, it can even be if, 
even if your in-laws are nice, awesome, wonderful, functional people, families develop their sets of values and their communication styles and their priorities and their discipline and, you know, their, um, like their own culture. Yes. And I was trying, what's the thing where you, you, you do them over and over from year to year traditions. Yes. (laughs) The thing that I hate, I hate traditions and boundaries. Jewels. Traditions. Like you hate Santa Claus. That's what I hear when you say that. You're a terrible person. I yeah. like Santa. Okay. But anyway, the point is, is that even in the best of circumstances, you're trying to meld those things together. You're trying to bring two family systems together and then create your own family system. But you still have to communicate with those two different family systems. And you've lost the person who's native to their family system. And so, you know, in in my family, we are not very confrontational and we're not very loud and... um we have our style of communicating and Jason's family is much more loud and they're much more likely to just yell at each other and, you know, tell each other what they feel. And like my family is like, just hold it in and, and never speak up. And so it's hard to try and, you know, even though they're, my in-laws are awesome and I don't have, I don't have a lot of the problems that a lot of people do. It's still hard because my communication style is different than their communication style. And I don't have Jason to be like, go talk to your sister, you know, go tell your dad that we're not coming to that thing or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. It just, it layers the complication because Mm -hmm. then you have grief on top of it. So stuff that is already tricky to deal with and learn a new way is complicated and more And you talked about this too, because you don't have kids. It's like when my person died, did I lose my link to my in-laws? And for some people, they don't have a desire to stay a part of the in-laws family. But for a lot of people, they do want to keep that connection alive. And it's hard because it's like, did that die too? Did I lose that also? Am I grieving the loss of all of the family that I knew? For me, that was one of the very first thoughts that I had, like same day when Scott died. I was like, does this mean now I'm not important and I'm kicked out of the family? Because Scott's family is great, right? And I was still new in his family and and Scott and I were in the newlywed phase. And so we were trying to get to know each other and develop our own routines. And that takes a couple of years because yeah. Oh, yeah. Like you said it's like, your your family has its traditions our and another family has the traditions and it's like you're trying to figure that out and so i mean we would get fights over like christmas and yeah where, where are we going for thanksgiving and yeah christmas like, and, mm-hmm. we were still in that and it's like well mine is important because this always happens it's like well mine always happens because why does that always have to happen like can we chill out so that was already happening just in our own little ecosystem of of our marriage, just the two of us. And so, yeah, when Scott died, I thought, okay, I'm kicked out of the family. I, I won't matter to them. And I was just, I was the newest member of the family anyway, and now dealing with this really heavy thing. And so it it brought up a lot of questions and, and I asked a sister-in-law about it and she's so great. Um, And she's like, no, of course, like you're still family. And she still treats me as family. And like, I get invited to stuff and, Um, And that's really great. But yeah, it totally is really confusing. And then we also have the always overlying question for every widow topic ever of what should you do when your husband dies? 
with regard to in-laws and your husband's family or your wife's family or your partner's family? There's no answer to that question. Yes. Remember what we always say, stop shooting on yourself. It's different. Yeah. And every family, every family dynamic is different and your situation is different than other people's. Mm -hmm. I would just say that something that I think is helpful in almost every case is trying to communicate needs and expectations to your in-laws and your family itself is Mm -hmm. probably helpful. Yeah. And And it's, that can be really hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard because you're in grief. And so I remember I felt like this is too much for me. Everybody else should accommodate me. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that you do have a responsibility as a griever. If you have something to say, because people can't read your mind and people sometimes don't know what to do. And it's, it's just as hard because we are like, I'm so broken. I can't No. And just like anything else. I also think that sometimes we have the expectation that we have to have it all figured out by a certain date or by a certain time. But just like in your marriage, you're evolving. It's so funny because when we first got married, um, we had the tradition of having Sunday dinner with our families. Right. And because we didn't want to upset people, we went to two Sunday dinners every single Sunday. We'd go to my parents' house and then Jason's parents' house. And then like, after a while we were like, well, actually this isn't healthy. We have to figure that out. You know, so it didn't come immediately. It took time to navigate and to find what was going to work. And I think that's also something that you should give your, should give yourself some leeway about is that it doesn't have to be an immediate solution and you can find your way to kind of a workable situation and it can change and it's okay if it changes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we hear stories of there being pressure from those families, like whether it's your spouse's or your partner's family or your family with traditions, it's like, well, this is what we've always done for Christmas. Like, are you going to come over? Maybe you're not able to, and maybe you're tired and maybe you're grieving, or maybe you are a widowed mom and you have your own. Yeah. And so that's hard to have pressure when you're trying to figure out stuff on your own anyway. So the moral of the story again is don't should upon upon yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We do have an episode, episode 39, what I want my in-laws to know. So if you would like to check it out, we have some stories from widows on there in their own voices and it's pretty helpful. So Check it out. What do we do now on podcast platforms everywhere? Episode 39 and get in our widow wives club. It's so fun there, right? If you're a widow. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a widow, if you're not a widow, you can follow our public Facebook page for the podcast, but yeah, check out the widow wives club. It's fun. Lots of, lots of widows in there that are cool and chill and not judgmental and We'll see. And you can share all of your crazy in-law stories there and everybody will say, oh, yeah. Like I got you. It's a safe place. It's the place where you can say things where you can't say them to anyone else anywhere else. If you have a crazy in-law story or if you have a question or comment or an experience, comment below. Below. I want to hear from you. I'm Mel. I'm Anita. We're We're two two young widows. I'm one that does boundaries. And Mel hates traditions. Traditions, that's the word. I know. We're just trying to figure out what do we do now. Always.
This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what well, is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month. It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.